Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. How many of you guys know that God wants what's best for you? How many of you guys know that? That God wants what's best for us. How many believe that God wants what's best for you? You know, there's a difference between knowing and believing. Knowing is up here. Believing is where? A lot of people know that God wants something for them, that God has something for them. But not everybody believes it. Now, here's the thing. How many know that there is an enemy of your soul who wants to keep you away from all the good things that God has for you? And all that God wants to give you, he wants to oppose. All that you're going after, that all the promises that God makes that you are going after, that you're believing God for, that you're pursuing God for, he is trying to destroy in your life. The Bible tells us that the enemy came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to see your marriage destroyed. He wants to see your personal life destroyed. He wants to see your finances destroyed. He wants to see your career destroyed. He wants to see your mental health destroyed. But, but, but here's something that many Christians or many church people don't know. And what they don't know is that the enemy will not mind you having something good if it can keep you from God's best. Did you know that? I mean, he wants to destroy you, but if he can, what he'll do is that he'll let you settle. He'll make you comfortable with something good as long as he keeps you from God's best. He'll let you have an okay job because he doesn't want God to to shower his financial blessings on you. He'll be okay with your marriage being okay as long as it's not a great marriage. And that's what we've been doing in this series. We've been looking at at the fact that God says, hey, there's some things that we take for okay. We, We say, well, that's good. But God says there's something better. If you had to choose between two things, God says, this is better. In fact, can we do a little review to see how you've been doing? This is our seventh week. So the first week, we talked about the fact that it is better a day with God than a thousand elsewhere. And there's some questions that are going to be put up in the screen. I want you to answer them to yourself. So in light of what we looked at that first week, have you been spending time with God every day? If we learn that God says better is one day with God than a thousand anywhere, have you begun your day by saying, Lord, I need you this day, and I just want to be in connection with you? Have you practiced the presence of God? You know what what it means to practice the presence of God? To be aware that God is with you. Say, Lord, I know I'm stuck in the 405, and I'm not going anywhere for about 30 minutes. But I am grateful that you are here with me and that you love me. Second week, we, we, we looked at the, the fact that the Bible says that better is a handful, but with peace, 
than two fistfuls, but with affliction. So here's my question. Can you genuinely thank God for what you have, or is your heart or mind filled with wants? In your heart, is it, man, I can't wait till I get that new phone. Oh, I can't wait till I get another purse. I can't wait till I get another car. Or can you genuinely say, Lord, thank you for this 1996 Toyota Corolla. It's got four colors, but it takes me to church and it takes me to work. The third week, we looked at, at, at the life. We looked at the fact that the life that God offers us because of Jesus is better than the good life that the world offers us. Here in America, everybody's in pursuit of the good life. But Jesus, through his resurrection, offers us a better life. So here's my question for you. Is Jesus enough or is it Jesus plus something else? Is it Jesus plus her? Is it Jesus plus him? Is it Jesus plus your healing? Is it Jesus plus your career? Or is Jesus alone good enough to have a good life? Then we looked at the fact that better is to obtain wisdom than gold. Better is to acquire knowledge than money. So here's my question to you. What have you been doing to become wiser? Have you become wiser or a bigger fool? And if you are becoming wiser, what are you doing? Are you reflecting? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, show me my foolishness. Holy Spirit, show me the way. What are you doing to become wiser? We also looked at the fact that better is a good name than riches. That it is better to have a good reputation than to have wealth. So here's my question. Would others say about you that who you are is more important or how much you make? If others were to give an opinion about you, what did it say? No, he cares more about his reputation than about his salary. Or are you the kind of person that would do anything for a shiny penny? And then last but not least, last week, we looked at that better is to be patient than powerful, right? So here's my question for you. Your patience was tested this week. Did you pass? Your patience was tested. I know for sure your patience was tested. Did you pass? So today, God wants to teach us about trusting him and why trusting him over anyone else and anything else is better. When you walked into this room, your trust was on something or someone. And if it is not God, I want you to know this morning that God brought you to tell you that trusting him is better than whatever your trust is in. That whatever, whoever your trust is in. Look at what Psalms 118 verses 89 say right there in your outline. It says, it is better to trust the Lord than to trust. Anybody trust in someone else just to be disappointed? Right? Better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in rulers. Today, trust is fading in our society. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that each time we trust less and less? Many people don't trust the government. Many employees don't trust their employer. 
Many consumers don't trust companies. Do you know why trust is in decline in our days? I'm going to tell you why. Because we are in a crisis concerning the truth. Truth and trust go hand in hand. And when we are not told the truth, it is harder to trust. One of our daughters, I'm not going to tell you which one, one of our daughters, um, she, we've been finding candy wrappers under her pillow and under her bed. All kinds of candies. And there's two things that bother me. One, who gave it to her? And two, when is she doing this that we don't hear it? You know? So we, we find them, we find them, and we just find the wrappers. A bunch of wrappers, you know, all kinds of candies and cookies and all that stuff. I got a feeling it's grandma, but... Um, um. So we, we would come up to her, and we would be like... Um, did you eat this candy? No. Well, why, what is the wrapper doing under your pillow? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Then it would happen again, and we would keep asking. Till it got to the point where Lorraine and I felt like we had two options. Okay? We could tie her, yes, um, but I don't want to go to prison. Or... This was an opportunity not to spank her or to punish her, but to teach her a very important lesson. That if she doesn't tell me the truth, I can't trust her. And if I can't trust her, then there's certain things she won't be able to do. And that's what we've been telling her. I go, you can keep lying to us. That means we can't trust you because there's the evidence. We can't prove it, although I want to put a camera in the, in the room. Um, we can't prove it yet, but I know you're doing it because the evidence is there. If you don't tell me the truth, I can't trust you. And if I can't trust you, then there's certain things you won't be able to do in certain places you won't be able to go. And many of us cannot trust Because we have been lied to. And I want to tell you that people will lie to you. I will disappoint you. I won't be able to meet all your expectations. And neither will your your spouse. There is only one person that will always tell you the truth. There is only one person that you can count on to always tell you the truth. And that is not drunks or kids. That's God. Because some people say, kids and drunks always tell you the truth. I don't know about that, but I know that God will always tell you the truth. Okay? And you, because God tells you the truth, you can trust God. In fact, the equation is really easy. Because God is truth, because God always tells the truth, our trust can be on God. And here's the encouragement. The blessed... The fruitful, the prosperous life results in a life that trusts God. Whenever your trust is on God, you will have a blessed, fruitful, and prosperous life. Now, while, while trusting is in, de- is in decline, 
The truth is that we still need to trust. Even, even for those people that have said, I'm never going to trust another man again. I'm never going to trust another woman again. I'm never going to trust another pastor again. I'm never going to trust another business partner again. The truth is that you still need to trust. Because trust produces in us two things that are essential for our existence. Hope and stability. And we all need hope and we all need stability. So even if you said, I'm not going to trust another man again, you took your trust from a man and you placed it into something else. Whether it is your ability, whether it is in you, whether it is in your kids, whether it is in your mom, but your trust is always on something. So we need to trust something. Now, in America, a lot of people trust their careers. They're, they trust their, their jobs. And that's where it is. Many people trust their spouse. Many people trust uh, uh, their, their good looks or their ability. And those things, listen to me, this is important. Those things inherently are not bad. They're not bad. Your career is not bad. Your marriage is not bad. The good looks that God gave you are not bad. They're just dangerous. You know why they're dangerous? Because you can lose them. You can lose your career. Especially in our days, we have people who went to school for a degree and they're not able to operate in that degree and they've had to make career changes. The Lord can call your spouse up to heaven. And what happens then? Your good looks can disappear. And what happens then? So in, these things are not inherently bad. They're just dangerous. Because you can lose your career, you can lose your money, and you can lose your health. If you want true security in your life, and if you want true hope, there is only one place you will find it. And that is when you trust the Lord. That is when you trust God, because God never changes and God cannot be moved. Did you know that? And that is a place. Now, look at what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right there in your outlines. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Many of us know that, that passage. What I want to do is I want to break it down, but I first want to tell you what trusting God is not. What it looks like. When we don't trust God, and it's going to be really short, and then I want to give you four ways, four very practical ways, okay, of what trusting God looks like. Now, listen to this. This is important, and I even put it on a quote. Trust is not just something you feel. We think that trust is a feeling, and trust is much more than a feeling. It is an action. It is something you do. When you trust something or someone, it leads to a certain action, not just to a feeling. It's kind of like, 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 like the couple that says, I trust you, but I still got to look at your phone. I trust you, but, but you still got to share your location with me at all times. It's accountability. <clears throat> Let me tell you what it looks like when you don't trust God. You don't trust God 
when you worry. When you're tossing and turning at night and you can't sleep, it's because you are not trusting God. Even if you wrote a verse or tattooed a verse on yourself. When you try to fix the impossible or what it's not in your control, you're not trusting God. Anybody guilty of that? When you hurry and don't wait, you're not trusting God. When you listen to human counsel over God's word, you are not trusting God. When you go to the comadre, when you go to the Facebook community, when you go with your buddies and say, I'm going through this situation, what do you guys think I should do? That's not trusting God. Trusting God says, God, here's what I'm going through. What do you have to say? When you maneuver and manipulate situations, you're not trusting God. And last but not least, when you step out, without first praying about it and hearing from God, you are not trusting God. Now, that's a list that we're all guilty of, isn't it? Are we guilty of that? Now, the good news is that I don't want to spend so much time on the wrong things we've done, but instead look at the good things that we can do. We're all guilty. I'm guilty of sometimes not trusting God. Because as I shared last week, I'm very impatient. And God likes to take his time, right? <coughs> It's like he's got all the time in eternity. I don't even know how much time I got. I could be gone next week. So it's like, God, really? So what does trusting God mean? What does it look like? Well, let's look at it really quickly. Number one, trusting in the Lord means you take a risk with God. You take a risk with God. And I'll explain that. See, trust carries with it risk. In order to trust, you got to be willing to risk. But, but, but let me say this. Everything in life requires a, a risk, right? It's like uh, uh, the character in the movie Blood In and Blood Out. Remember what he said? Life's a risk, carnal. Right? Because life truly is a risk. Getting in your car is a risk. And the risk gets higher when you get in the car with Contessa or me. <laughs> Staying at home is a risk. Deciding to come to church, it requires a risk. Everything in life is a risk. But one of the biggest risks that we take is when we choose to love. Isn't it? In fact, mamas, daddies, isn't that why you're so adamant? towards your kids about who they date? Because when you choose to love, it involves the risk of your heart being broken, of, your, of being disappointed, of being cheated on. And for many in this room, that's sort of what's happened, right? But here's the good news. God will never do those things to you. And that verse, the first part of verse five says the following. He says, trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart. To trust God is to take a risk with God and say, I'm going to choose to love God. 
In fact, that's what the Bible tells us we ought to do. Mark in his gospel tells us the following. He says, love the Lord, listen to this, with what? All your heart. And with all? And with all? And with all? Here's, here's what Mark is saying. Mark is saying, love God with everything you have and all that you are. And to trust God is to say, God, I love you. Now, how many of you, and you can raise your hand on this one, how many of you are risk takers? You like taking risk. Raise it high like you're proud. <laughs> how many of you guys don't like taking risk? You like playing it safe? I like playing it safe. My wife's always telling me, he's like, oh, you're always playing it safe. If it were for you, you know, I, 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 I always play it safe. I don't know. Even like, we, we uh, a few years back, we were able to put some investments away and uh, um, they asked us, do you want to make it risky or do you want to make it safe? He said, if you put it risky, you got the chance of making a lot of money, but also losing a lot of money. And when he told me that, my brain told me, I don't want to lose. So I'd rather make a little, but make a little than make a lot and lose a lot. That's just the way I work. But When it comes to God, we need to take the risk to say, I am willing to love and trust God. In fact, look at what Jesus said regarding risk-taking in life. Look at what he says. He says, if you try to keep your life for yourself, what's going to happen? You will lose it. Some of us in this place know that to be very true. We try doing life on our own without Jesus. And all we did is a mess and all we've experienced was pain and we thought we were living the life but in reality we were losing our life because that's what Jesus says is if you try to keep your life for yourself you will what lose it but look at what he says but if you give up your life for me you will find what true life let me tell you what loving God means loving God means that you say God I don't understand what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. But I'm going to choose to love you in spite of what I don't understand and what I do not like about what you're doing. That's what it means to trust God. In the movie Indiana Jones, there's a scene where Indiana Jones is trying to to obtain an artifact and he reaches um, a point in the journey where um, the map says that he has to take steps. But in the point where he is, all he can see is a great abyss. It's a big fall. And Indiana Jones has to, at that moment, take the risk to say, I either trust the map or I trust what I can see. And if I trust what I can see, then I can't get to the artifact. But if I do what the map says, then although I can't see it, there should be a way from here to there. And if you've seen the movie, he what? He takes a step. And it is when he takes the step that he sees that there is a pathway there. Well, I want to tell you that God has left you a map. 
And you got to take to trust God is to say, I am going to be willing to take the risk that what is in here is more important than what is in here or out there or on the TVs or anywhere else. And when you follow the map, let me tell you something. Jesus said, you will find true life. Second, trusting the Lord means that you depend on God to trust God means that you depend on. On God. The second part of Proverbs 5 5 says, Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, listen to me here. This doesn't mean that we are to be irrational or illogical. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to use your brain. Because the book of Proverbs speaks greatly about obtaining understanding. And it praises the, under, uh, the obtaining of understanding. But what God, what God means when he says, do not depend on your own understanding, is that what he means is that he doesn't want you to reach conclusions on your, uh, by yourself. He doesn't want you to be the last authority in your life. And we're really good at that, right? In fact, we're encouraged to do that. If it feels good, do it. If it feels so good, it can't be wrong. And God says, no, 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 no. To trust God is, is to depend on me and to not make yourself the final authority in your life. Proverbs 14, 12 says the following. Look at this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it what? It leads to death. God wants you to use your reasoning. He gave you a brain. And for some of you, he gave you a really bright brain. But he still wants you to depend on him. And he still doesn't want you to be the last authority in your life because we've all been there where we said, no, I know this is the right thing to do. And what happened at the end? We found out that it wasn't. We found out that we were wrong. Let me tell you something about God, okay? In case you haven't discovered this, although it doesn't take very long to discover it. God will ask us to do things that don't make sense to us. Have you experienced that yet? Love your enemy? Pray for those who persecute you? God will ask you to do things that don't make sense. I want to talk about two of them. I want to talk about greatness and about finances. What did Jesus say about greatness? Well, let's look at what he said. Proverbs 14, 12. I mean, I'm sorry. Mark 10, 43 says, if any one of you wants to be what? Great. You must be the servant of what? That's not true in our society. If you want to be great, you got to have a lot of people under you. If you want to be great, you got to get get people to do what you want them to do. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Greatness in my kingdom is a pyramid upside down. Where the number one is at the bottom and he's the one that serves the most. He's not the one that is served to the most, but he's the one that what? Serves the most. I want me to tell you something. I've made it a habit of me to never be too good to pick up trash in church. And when I walk around and I see trash, I pick it up. And when I see the bathrooms are a little bit messy, I try to clean them up. You want to know why? Because I want to be great 
And Jesus said, whoever wants to be the greatest must serve everyone else. Second thing, in finances. Human reasoning says that if you want to be financially wealthy, you got to stock, you got to hold back as much as you can, right? You got to save. You have a big bank account. But Jesus says that if you want to be wealthy, you got to give away your money. And that doesn't make sense to us because if I want to have more and I give it away, that doesn't mean I have more. That means I have what? Less. But look at, look at what the Bible says. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Give freely and become what? More wealthy. Be stingy and what? You know why some of you don't have more? Because you're stingy. You're stingy. And some of you have a lot, not because you're so great with your finances, but because you're generous. And God says, give and become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And that doesn't make sense in human reasoning, right? But here's, here's where trusting God says, okay, although that doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to trust what you have to say. Proverbs 3.9 says the following. It says, honor the Lord with what? With your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Not the leftovers, the best part. Let me tell you something as a testimony. When you honor God with your finances, okay, and I believe in the 10%. I know there's people that say the, the tithe in the New Testament doesn't exist. I give you that, okay? But here's my argument against that. The New Testament may not specifically talk about 10%, but it does, it does talk about being generous. And if you do the math, 10% is not being generous. What's generous? 50 or 60. So what do you want? New Testament or Old Testament? You should want New Testament. Be like, yeah, I want to give it all away. You know, but, but let me tell you something. When you honor God with your 10% and above, because 10 is not a ceiling, it's a good foundation. When you do that, let me tell you something. This is, my life is a testimony of this. God will make the 90% go longer than you taking the 100%. There's only one area where God says, test me. One area. And what is it? finances so to trust God is to depend on God even when it doesn't make sense in our human understanding third thing I gotta hurry up third thing trusting the Lord means that you obey God it means that you obey God verse 6 says seek his will in all you do you know you know what it means to seek his will to believe that God is God and you are not To say, I want to know what you have to say about the decisions that I have to make before I make them. And to trust God is to obey God. Now, many people don't want to do God's will. Because they think that if you do God's will, your life is going to become dull. Your life is going to become boring. You're not going to be able to have fun anymore. You're not going to be cool anymore. That's not what God says in his word. 
Let me show you what God says. Proverbs 28, 14. It says, always obey the Lord and you will be what? Happy. If you're stubborn, you will be what? Ruined. See, many think that the will of God leads to a miserable life. But the opposite is true. When you do life on your own terms, you become miserable because all we're good at is making things worse. Come on, come on, come on. Help me preach. We've done things our own way and all we've done, our marriage didn't get better. Our kids didn't get better. Our health didn't get better. Our relationships didn't get better. All that happened is that they got worse. Because that is a lie that we have believed the enemy. That if we obey God's will, we are going to be bored, we're going to be miserable, and we're going to be antiquated, and we're going to be useless. And that is not true. God says, those who obey my will will always be happy. Can I tell you something? I don't go clubbing. I don't do drugs. I don't have a side chick. Okay? I don't go gambling. I go Pokemon hunting, but not gambling. Okay, and let me tell you something. I'm not miserable because I could go home to a beautiful wife and three lovely kids and I get to do the purpose of my life and I don't have people chasing me. I don't have to worry about what I did when I was unconscious. I don't have to worry about my liver because I'm drinking too much. That is a happy life. There's a lot of people that last night were very happy. And right now, they're in their bed. You think that's happy? Last night, we got our girls ready and Nathan ready. We got ourselves ready. And we said, let's go to bed because tomorrow we got a good day. I hope you can see the smile in my face. That's happiness. Don't believe the lies of the enemy because when you harden your heart, you will only make things worse. James 1.22 says the following. But don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do what it says. Otherwise, you are what? Okay. Many people go to church. Many people grab this book and they read it and they don't do what it says. It's not about going to this book. It's not about coming to church. It's about doing what God tells you to do. Amen. If you hear God's voice today about something, the blessing, the trusting God is in doing that. It's in saying, I'm going to do it. And some of you, God has been tugging at you, saying, you, you, you got to get rid of those friends. You got to get involved. You got to start giving. You got to forgive. You got to start coming to prayer. You, you, and, and, and you haven't been doing it. You know why you haven't been doing it? Because you don't trust God. If God tells you to forgive and you're like, yeah, but I don't know what I do, is because you don't trust God. And to trust God is to obey. Let me do the last one really quick and, and we'll get you on your way. Fourth, trusting the Lord means that you wait on God. That you wait on God. The last part of verse 6 says, he will show you which path to take. You know what's the shortest distance between point A and point B? 
a straight line. Trusting God is waiting for God to show you that straight line. And God wants us to have a better destiny in life because God has something better for you. And I want to end with this. I know we're done. Don't get distracted because this is, this is where I wanted to get to. Some of us, and I include myself in there, some of us, God is asking us to trust him in the middle of a storm. In the middle of something that we feel we can't bear and we definitely can't understand and we don't like. And we're tempted to find a way out. We're tempted to do something to bring change. And I want to tell you that God brought you here this morning to tell you, trust me, wait upon me. I have not forsaken you. I have not forgotten about you. And I have heard your cries. And to trust God is to wait. Psalms 34.8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who trusts in him. You got tears right now. You got headaches right now. But if you trust in the Lord, those tears that you, sow, that you sowed will reap blessings, will reap joy, will reap the goodness of God in your life. One more verse. Psalms 42, 11. Why am I so sad? Why am I so upset? Anybody sad? Anybody upset? Just me? Okay, well, maybe God gave me this for me. I tell myself, wait for God's help. You will again be able to praise him. Praise him. You're God, the one who saves you. Psalms 42, 11. Oh, my soul, do not be discouraged. Do not be upset. Expect God to act. If you're in the middle of a storm, if you're in the middle of darkness, trust God and expect him to act. He said, Lord, I can't wait till you get me out of this one. Lord, I can't wait till my husband is right here sitting at church with me. Lord, I can't wait till my kids give up that addiction and they're up there praising you and worshiping you. Trust on God. Whatever your trust is in, if it is not God, it's dangerous. And God says this morning, it is better to trust the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.